Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Tony. And this is Making It in Asheville. A podcast where the two of us sit down with a Asheville local, an artist, entrepreneur, a creator, and ask what they're making and how they are making it in Asheville. And in this episode, we sit down with two cocktail bartenders, Phoebe Esmond and Christian Gao. I met Phoebe uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, well, we've only been in Asheville a couple weeks, but met her just a couple weeks ago, and it was very clear, uh, like right away, that she was not your average bartender. Um, it was just a feeling. We had a very long conversation. We connected on the fact that you know she lived in Philly, and and what I found out was that she was a very instrumental part of one of the cooler bars in Asheville. Night Bell, which we have never been to. Uh, it closed before we got here, but um, it seems like Phoebe has quite a, I'd say, reputation or like audience in town because of it. Um, and so last week, the week before recording this, I actually sat in on a over two-hour class on Amaro's. And so that's where I met her partner, Christian, and the two of them together, it was just very clear that I would love to get to hear more of their story and uh, ask some questions about what it is that they're working on uh, because it seems like they had a lot of projects uh, that were very cool and very exciting. And so in this episode, we get to talk about some of those things. Yeah, we go deep into, you know, some of the bars and speakeasies that they are working on that will open very soon. And then we also talk a lot about, you know, what you would want if you were trying to build up a cocktail bar at home so the different spirits and modifiers and all that stuff we go very deep into a conversation about ice um, which i found very fascinating on you know how to make the perfect ice for cocktails at home it's crazy and then we also talk a lot a lot about other fun stuff like movies and books it's a great episode yeah and so uh long episode but i think you will enjoy it they're awesome people uh Enjoy this episode, episode 13, with Phoebe and Christian. Cheers. Here is a hard segue, but a this whole has been recorded. We're going to dive now into hard. what I would consider the beginnings of a podcast. But for context, and I don't normally give context. We normally just kind of dive right in. Um, I I feel like I've been this is the fir- so this is the first four person podcast, and this is the first podcast where on- like I have been the only person to meet the guests. Right, we've had. Both of us met the guests. Our last guest we've been friends with on Instagram or for whatever that's worth. And this is the first time that it's like, Sarah, is this is her first time meeting you. And we're in your home, and it's amazing, and it lives exactly in, like, more to where I was hoping it would look <laughs> than I could have imagined it would be. Um, and so I've been attempting to both tell what of your story I know so far to Sarah and not tell your story so far to Sarah because I wanted it to be, you know, I guess this to be the new. first time and feel new and be exciting and fresh. Um, but I, there was just so many things about, I, so I sat at the bar and we talked so many things about that first conversation that um, felt awesome. Like it, you, 
were able to convey a level of expertise and professionalism and warmness that uh, was special. And then I went to your class last week, which was a t- over two-hour class on Amaro, which I only, only made the back half hour or full hour back half, which was an hour. And it uh, went then it went even further. I'm like, oh my god, these people are absolute experts into this like uh, zero percentile rounds to 99.99 repeating. Plus, they are like it. They're giving. They're giving that knowledge. They're not hoarding it. They're not trying to necessarily defend it. And I l- love that as a model. And so, with that, here we are today. And uh, I will open up with a softball that can be hit into any field that you would like. But from your seats, how did we get here? Hmm. How did we get here? How did we get here? To Asheville? To this episode? Okay. Well, th- yeah, this is, kinda, this is kind of intense because, like, we, uh, uh, you know, like, um, I've met you once and yep. I've met you. I'm meeting you. <laughs> And like and <laughs> yeah, and this is like kind of like going into like it's like meeting somebody on a road trip, right? We're like going it's like deep. super intense for sure. It's like we're on two tandem bicycles and we're just like <laughs> and and we've and we've jumped directly into mountain biking <laughs> on a tandem bike. Wow, um, that's hard. Okay, well, how did we get here? Well, I mean, to some extent, um, I mean, some of it is. Some of it is you're going to find very familiar, right? In the sense that um, we we met and spent most of our time together in the Northeast. Love that, right? Same. Um, and you know, I'm from I'm originally from New York, from Astoria, Queens, um, and we met in Philadelphia. She had been living in D.C. Phoebe had been living in D.C. before that, um, so. You know, that was kind of like much closer to my context. Um, uh, but she has this whole other life of moving around as a kid um, because of her family's métier, you know, in terms of like her father being a preacher. Mm-hmm. And so she lived, has lived all over the Bible Belt, wherever preachers are, you know, in, you know, uh, in demand. Right. So, I mean, she can tell you about that. Uh, but, um, but yeah, but we, our, our background as a couple is, you know, that part of, uh, both of our biographies is, is based heavily in the Northeast and then coming down here, um, we actually moved, uh, down here nine months before our stuff got here. Oh, wow. So like we actually went to Franklin which my where my parents live mm-hmm. uh, and stayed there and because I was taking this job at Night Bell and um, we I wanted I, we needed to start I needed to start working start the job mm-hmm. and um, I was just a, like a bartender gig when I started and um, it takes a while to find a place to live here because because Asheville how long did it take you guys to find a place relatively quickly but we got very lucky so when we moved down here when we visited down here we we were looking we didn't find anything we visited a bunch of places different neighborhoods and it was a month before we were supposed to move i think a little over three months ago okay yeah and then 
a couple of weeks after that, we went back to Brooklyn and Tony was looking online and like found this beautiful place and then texted a friend. He went and looked at it and we were like, okay, cool. Like it's yeah, in a good neighborhood. It seems nice. We haven't seen it, but he saw it and said it's not bad. Where do you live here? We're on Charlotte Street. Just like I walk past Ganshan to Chop Shop. It's an eight minute walk. So like equidistant further they live in those like cool old apartments uh that look like they were like built for the grove park and employees at the turn of the century like mm-hmm. that one with the big gatehouse yeah. like the yeah. round gatehouse yeah. and like yeah it's it's um it's weird we didn't the the room's pictures didn't tell the story of the manor inn so we thought it would just be some sort of like room in a standard kind of brick thing on the corner that you see every like a brick box you know what i mean yeah yeah and i was like either way sarah this seems cool and then when after we actually put a deposit in is when we actually started doing some diligence because we just seemed like it was going to go off the market it's a two you know it was a split level thing with a spiral stair because it sounded cool um and i was like oh my god we're in that green thing <laughs> that i had made a joke about when we drove down from the <laughs> Park. i was like can you imagine living in that and i meant like the gate house yeah. thing i didn't even notice the building behind it uh but now we live in i that. think it's a really cool looking spot it is cool i would look forward to having you guys over oh, thanks yeah do you so do you have like plaster and walls with like molding and like parquet flooring and stuff like that Yep, that's how, we, that's so that's how we imagined it. <laughs> yeah, I miss so, that so much. I live, I miss living in like older spaces. It's real. I mean, like. it's really cool. I, I, it's incredible. The amount of energy we use to keep it cool when we use the AC versus the windows is, for me, astronomical. I don't know what's normal. I'm interested to see how it ha- handles the winter because we have legitimately ten, ten foot windows oh we have like uh 270 degrees of wow. windows in this one you have like the, a turret we, so but you've got, so yeah, you got yeah, cross yeah. vent yeah. though right so you could potentially just put like just fans fans in there and yeah. is that what you do yeah. primarily during the summer it's yeah it's nice when we open both windows we'll open, we can open it's three fine, but like mm-hmm. what floor are you on technically the second but it's like you walk into it's the first floor okay. huh. um so if you ever drive by overturn but if you ever drive by on the left side of the building, so like further away from downtown, there's this overpass, and we're over that. So right. this way, if if this goes poorly, I know where to throw my eggs. Exactly. Yes. Right. <laughs> right, exactly right. And the windows will be open, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can put right them, into the fan. Put them right yeah. in. <laughs> yes. Um, the, uh, but like the bar that we were running in Philly um, before we moved here closed suddenly. The way bars close yep. sometimes. Um, and we had been threatening to come down here. We and were kind of halfway planning to come down here. Yeah. And, and wh- what was that? Was that like uh, just because you had lived maybe in the south and you were like, yo, Asheville's cool. Had you done trips? We'd been down here. I wanted to be closer to my family. family. My my brother lives in Asheville. My sister lives in the South Carolina suburbs of mm-hmm. Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And my parents live in Franklin. Um, so, like, uh, I'd been away from them for a while mm-hmm. at the point when we finally moved down. I mean, we came to visit and everything, and they came up to visit us. But <clears throat> I come from kind of a close family. Um, and uh, so we wanted to do that. Also, we'd visited here, and we'd uh, seen the way the food scene was developing mm-hmm. and the way the cocktail scene seemed to be developing. Um, and it seemed like maybe a good time for 
us to stick our foot in the door, as it were, you know, and try, yeah, try down here. Um, also, I I was feeling frustrated, um, uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, I felt like I couldn't really do the kind of program that I wanted, and I couldn't find the support. <coughs> sorry for us to um, open our own place mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and like. It just felt like time for a change. Yeah. A lot of people from sort of our, I would what I would call our generation of the bartending scene um, in Philadelphia actually left. Not many of them are still there. Wow. Um, they've moved up to like upstate New York, New Orleans, New York City. You know, like they're, they're all over the place. Yeah. They're not in Philly. Why do you think people have moved? Like what is, what's kind of the difference between... Philadelphia and here, for example. Well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with, um, in my personal opinion, and I could, I am prepared to be wrong about this, but, you know, and and there are some exceptions, uh, but, uh, you know, there are some people who are doing some really great things in bars and restaurants in Philly, and it's, you know, and I don't want to take away from that at all, because it's definitely happening, and it's definitely awesome. Yeah, it's Um, a great city, and we And some of our dear friends are doing some really great things there. Um... So it's not that there isn't anything cool happening. There is. Uh, But if you're trying to start something up that no one's ever seen before and you don't have your own backing and you're seeking backing, that's where it gets a little challenging because a lot of people who are looking to do something in Philly with their money in the restaurant business, you know, in the the hospitality business, they'll look at a block and be like, oh, look, there's two pizza places there. I guess that's a good block to have a pizza place. Let's open a third. Let's open a third. Got it. As opposed to looking at the hole in the market, you know, looking at something that's being underserved in an area. Um, And that's obviously not a hard and fast rule, but it's something that we kind of came up against in terms of, you know, putting forward an idea and just kind of crickets, unless it was something that was a proven commodity yeah right. and to some extent that's just that's just the business. what investment is about yeah. is you know people want to make a conservative you know like investment but yeah. and, and like then you, you can find it anywhere but it's just it was one of those things where we were kind of outgrowing where we were in the business in terms of our like i don't know what you want to call it stature or position within the business we were kind of outgrowing it it was starting to feel like um like a, a skin that was getting too tight and you need mm-hmm. to kind of shed it in order to you know uh and, but there were also a lot of things that we kind of left on the table too. Like there were a lot of things that we wanted to do there that we mm-hmm. haven't yet accomplished and that we might yet go back and do. Yeah. Um, but it just felt like a moment to kind of break out. And, yeah. and how long were you in Philly together? 10, Ten years. years. Yeah. Cool. And so it's been, we, I asked before we recorded three ish, three ish. Um, yeah, we've been together 12 years. Cool. Thereabouts. I did the math the other day. And we've been working together how long? We've been working together probably 10. Cool. Um, We're each other's preferred workmate. Uh, uh, It can be explosive, but but that's just people yeah. you know but it's yeah. productive like yeah. I, i'm sure that you guys also heard have yeah, <laughs> yeah. Heard, heard. we're gonna start using so <laughs> there's there's a lot to so th- that is um not exactly where i was headed but i think um a great opportunity i would love to know because we are 
uh, two months into truly working together. We've Being been, a mom and pop. Right. We've been in a, a, you know, a relationship a little over two. We've been friends 10 years. But mm. uh, what advice would you have? There's a story there. Friends for 10 years. Yeah. 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 How did you meet? Uh, studying abroad in Florence, Italy Whoa. in 2009. Wow. So you didn't mind that he was studying that broad? He's like going nuts right now. That is, I love that and everything about that joke <laughs> so deeply, it's hard to communicate. Um, you kind of into Three Stooges and kind oh, of uh, yes. Marx Brothers yes, and yes, that yes. kind of stuff? Okay, if yeah. you can take Shtick. a meaning, turning on, turn it on its side, flip it around, uh, I find that to be the deepest, you truest sense the, of the comedy. Puns. Like I, uh, I saw that Clue was on HBO. Oh, we just watched it. Again. Did you? Yeah. So and I go, Sarah, Sarah, oh my God, the best joke in the history of jokes. Let me find it. And so like I'm, I'm fast forwarding through th- Clue, and there's a scene, and I, I remember from when I was like 11. I don't, I don't remember the last time I saw Clue. 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, this lady goes, "Is the bathroom down the hall?" And the maid goes. Wee oui, wee, oui, madame. And she <laughs> goes, oh, no, just powdering my nose. Yeah. I think that is the funniest. That is the definition of what I find funny. And it's a dead air. There's no laugh track. It's just, I'm just powdering my nose. And she walks out of the scene. Sarah's mm-hmm. like, I don't get you. We, last you, night, we, we rewatched uh, Young Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein oh. which is one of my favorite movies. But one of her favorites is Top Secret. Ooh, I don't even know if I know. Oh. Whoa, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh no! You have to watch it. Top secret. Top secret. If this is Val the Kilmer, sort of thing, the Velcomer vehicle from the eighties. Wait. Oh yeah. Is he? He it's, plays a pop star. It's super star? surreal. No, no, I don't know. It's you super you, you, super yeah. surreal. Oh, I can wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is it uh, is it findable? You are oh, possibly yeah, in totally for a treat. Findable. I don't I don't know where you, your taste lies. If you're going to either of... love it or hate it, that's pretty much. There's not a lot of. There's a lot of there. bizarre yeah. surreal like uh, visual gags. Oh, I look forward to this. Yeah. Okay. In addition to the sort of banter that you're kind of like that kind of uh, uh, vaudevillian kind of shtick yes which i have a, an abiding uh, you know fondness for uh there is a lot of these really bizarre visual gags okay. i like bizarre like, visual humor like at the end Monty like Python okay girl spoilers the finale may or may not include an underwater old west bar fight everything about this uh-huh <laughs> has my full undivided attention. We I have think to, it's on. We're going to pause. It the, might be on Netflix. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. That they filmed in a giant like pool. Yeah, like they filmed it <laughs> in like, a pool, oh, yeah. not in front. practical not effects. Like, yeah, like a practical effects. They built a an entire set of <laughs> an old west saloon, and there's a saloon fight. They built it inside a giant pool, and then they <laughs> filled it and filmed with practical effects a saloon fight underwater. Yep. We should so, rewatch. Maybe we should watch that tonight. Maybe. I will. If we have internet. If oh. we have the interwebs, yeah. Um, but Sorry, this is <laughs> so funny. Field. So, so that was a wonderful your... tangent. I have, we have yeah. notes. That will be in the show notes. For those of you interested, if I find out how to find it, it will be in the show notes of this episode. Uh, I hope it's on Netflix. Um, and I hope you can watch Netflix tonight. But how do you guys work together? How do you, what advice do you have? Um, so... Uh, we have been actually uh, reintegrating into working as a couple mm. um, because I worked for uh, Katie Button Restaurants for two, three, for three years um, until Night Bell closed, and it, and um, they don't uh, hire couples, which okay. is just a policy. Yeah. Um, I was um, 
uh, working. I mean, we always work together, even if I'm working for someone else, right? right. Uh, because it's our natural way of working, because we live together. And uh, one of those, the great fallacies of, of like working and life, I find, is this work-life balance because there is no such thing as a work-life balance because my work is my life. And my life is my work. So uh, he's, my, he's, he's a large part of my life. So he's always included in my work. Um, Love it. And uh, so even when I was working at uh, Night Bell and Karate, I was still, we, we still talked through everything. And mm -hmm. if I was working on something, if I was like stuck or whatever, I would still come to him, but we weren't working together all the time. So I would go away for a goodly portion of the day, a goodly portion of the day, like 14 hours sometimes, you know, like you'd mm -hmm. be gone, I'd be gone for a long time. And then I'd come home and we'd hang out late at night and then I'd get up in the morning and I'd go back to work. Um, so, uh, I don't know how people do that, man. It's hard. Um, but, uh, but they do. Mm -hmm. It was a tough three years. Uh, but like, um, uh, now we're working together all the time, every day, all day. Um, and which is what we did before, but then we took a three three year break. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about this last night, actually, yeah. because uh, because uh, we but we we've we've been butting heads, um, possibly and probably because we're like what we're doing is re rebuilding the working relationship, um, and it's and the work is different now than it was because previously we were running a bar together. We had a specific place that we went to work every day, mm -hmm. and um, we had a team of bartenders, and you know, like you know, mm -hmm. like that was what we did. Um, and now, since Nightball closed, we've been we've we've I would say to say that we have diversified our activities would be a significant understatement. And so we have instead of one job that we go to, we have four or five jobs, mm -hmm. and. Um, we're doing all of them together. And but at the moment, we're primarily based. But out most of, here. of it's from home it. right now. Yeah. You know, until so until anyway. until doors open. You know, until until doors are open, or until you know, like we go on site. Until we go stuff to, goes we do live. on sites, but until until stuff goes live, a goodly portion of our work is done out of our living room. Yeah. So tell us more about these projects that you're working on, if you can. What um, you can tell us. Uh, well. We're the most imminent. Well, the one the the most imminent project is uh, a, a a little uh, speakeasy that's going to open behind the Double Crown. Called uh, it's going to be called Pink Moon, the, the Nick Drake song. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it's a weather permitting. It's it's a yeah it's an outdoor oh, space, cool. like an arbor. Um, with and and the focus of the program is uh, natural wines and low session low ABV and session cocktails. Love very it. cool. Um, yeah. And um, the double it's kind of it's you know the double crown is its own thing. We love mm -hmm. the bar and the people who that work was, in it. The double crown is like there, is, a, it, is a great place. So vibey. Yeah, like it's the so good in there. Um, you should have seen it when the when the when the when the Mardi Gras Indians were there. It was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it was they so had good. The, yeah. they uh, one of the one of the guys that that whose place that is um, Chris Bauer, who is a um, he's a filmmaker. He's a documentary filmmaker. 
Well, he has also does other sorts it's not of documentary. films. It's not just documentary. Yeah, but he's been among other filmy project things that he does he's a documentarian and um he did this amazing one that uh, i think the only place you, the only way you could watch it right now i think is on vimeo but it's this oh, fantastic wow. um documentary on that, the mardi gras indians yeah and so he got he um he developed a great relationship and a rapport um with the uh, wild mohicans he was um, down there for like 10 years like just living living down in new orleans with them and, and they gave him crazy access like yeah. normally like they're like the, all that hand bead work and all that stuff that mm-hmm. they do like mm-hmm. you know the, normally they don't you don't usually get to see it you don't get to see it, it until done. the day that it gets unveiled wow. you know what i mean yeah. but like they were even letting him like come in and bead and like check out their stuff that they were working on for that year which is just completely like baffling you should like, watch it's unheard it. of we're just gonna go home with like a movie list i yes yeah. as long yes. as your yes. arm is <laughs> please um what is this called? Do you know? Ah, uh, yes. I'll look it up. I can't, we'll I can't remember the title off, we'll uh, the off the top of my head. But, cool. You know, um, but it's amazing. But um, It's about two hours long, and it's fantastic. Where, 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 where were we? Anyway, oh, you should have seen oh, it. But, you should have uh, felt, felt the vibe. You want to talk about vibes. Yeah. yeah. When, so did they have like a screening there? Or was it like No, a, no, it was no, the it was Indians. the Wild Mohicans. It was the Wild Mohicans. It was a tribe Like it was like It was like seven or eight Wild Mohicans And they were in there playing music. That video that I posted. They do a lot of live music there. Was wow. live. Yeah. I was oh. standing on a stool filming it. <laughs> Not standing, I was kneeling on a stool. Don't stand on stools. <laughs> yeah, kids. Um, <laughs> um, uh, anyway, so it's a much it, it's going to be a significantly different space than, but 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 equally cool. Yeah. Uh, what makes it a speakeasy? Because when I think speakeasy, I think like in a basement, secret. Yeah, you gotta get a password. You do have to get a password. Okay. Um, to get in. Um, yeah. so it is, it is going to be, and it's limited seating, very mm-hmm. limited seating. It's a small place. So it's the first thing that we're working on. Um, we all are also working with Ada Rhine, the distillery. Um, and, um, with them, we're like working on cocktail design and holy shit, a bear just walked by the window. Which direction? That way. Oh, there he is. That way. Or she. Over there, Tony. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first time we've ever seen a bear. <laughs> she w- he went, went that, that way. way. Yeah. Um, here okay. you, sh- you can come over you, here. If you stand, if you actually stand back here, you might. No, it's already gone. It's already gone. I thought it was a giant dog. I was like, who we let their dog in our backyard? It was oh. a. Gi- Sorry. Sorry for that interruption. No, that was so. Um, it was uh, Christian's checking the status of the garbage can. The last yeah. time we saw a bear, it was carrying our garbage down oh, the hill man. to the oh Davida Dialysis yeah. Center. So that was uh, that was thrilling. I didn't get to see it, but I only saw its back. That was a that was a moment long awaited. Uh, um. I so I fear that our dumpsters are like right below our apartment. I fear that one day we'll go down like you know in flip flops yeah. and go to throw. And there's going to be a bear that just like catches our trash. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Fris- like, exactly. like a frisbee to a dog. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, here's the good news. Yeah. Here's the good news. Um, black bears are wimps. I mean, they're not physically wimps in the sense that they're like stronger than we are, but they are wimps in the sense that I'm like check, looking over my shoulder to see if like the bear knows that I'm talking shit on it. <laughs> um, uh, black bears are wimps in, in comparison to other bears. Yeah. Right. So like the bears that you hear about people getting into, you know, scrapes, shall we call them with um, are usually 
other bears, like brown bears and grizzlies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, black bears, basically, like the advice, which I completely like. I have a like a long history of in my life of uh, getting into situations and then researching them later. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, had I known what I known what I knew directly after not having gone out to scare the bear off and then having to subsequently clean up all the trash that it strewed everywhere. Yeah. Had I known what I knew 10 minutes after that, when I took a moment to Google it, I totally would have just grabbed a shovel and walked out there and just talked crap to the bear because um, the advice, which completely just blows my, because it was a, it was a she bear with cubs, right? It was a she bear and she had her cubs with her. Which to me says stay. Yeah, it's like no way. It's like she's gonna like fight you to the death. Apparently, like even she bears with cubs will completely fuck off if it's a black bear. I mean, I'm not. I mean, take this with a grain of salt. Like, I don't want you know. I'm not saying like start fights with a bear and like for YouTube, but like I'm saying like black bears do not necessarily conform as much to other to like all the things that we think about bears. I'll I'll buy that because there's been a couple people who say that the bears that you'll see in Asheville are gigantic dogs and they're the scared kind of dogs almost mm-hmm. always yeah and i did also, actually think it was a dog i was like i haven't seen that dog before <laughs> what we're doing right now yeah podcasting yeah bears black bears specifically it scares the shit out of them it's a podcast because i heard in another podcast about how <laughs> people some some people have discovered that like the, but by playing oh, podcasts right, they play them out, outside on little speakers oh it thinks that it's no people way. are there uh-huh. yeah they like are super scared that like whenever they hear like human voices. conversation yeah. or yeah. human voices right. speaking yeah. so that's the other thing like you would think maybe like i don't know like yell at it totally yell at it yell at it like in fact don't even like make a lot of like i mean making a noise is good cuz it lets you know it, it lets yeah. You, it, it lets it know that you're there and all that stuff, yeah. and so it can kind of like you know make itself scarce. But the point is, talk specifically. Yeah. Don't just make noise. Talk at it. Like, like give it, like give it a good dressing down. You know what I mean? Like, um, and that, and they kind of stay away. Who dressed you this morning? Yeah, My they, yeah. It's like oh, you're oh basic black. Like, you know, <laughs> like but um. So New York. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's a look, you know. Like, uh, but the the point is, like, yeah. It's like if you act like a person. They will pretty much get out of your way. Wow. And even if they have their kids with them, they're all just going to run away. Like, they're not going to, like, I mean, like, it's just, like, nothing's a hard and fast rule. There might be, like, a particular one that you interact with who completely breaks this rule and, like, chews your leg off. Yeah. You know, but, like, generally speaking, the advice is, yeah, just just scare them. Cool. Like, they'll just leave. Good to know. Yeah. We'll put a disclaimer okay. at yeah. the end. And the also, if you yeah. do play this podcast to keep a bear away, please let us know. We'll let, yeah. we'll let everyone else know. That sounds fun. That's true. Um, It'd be an excellent use. Uh, so, so I'm going back. Going back. Sorry. I got so distracted so by let's, that. So let's just um, – don't know how it's going to go, but let's just say – so tell us about – Yes. <laughs> tell us about this project. That w- so when I sat at the bar yeah. and we, we talked over Negroni mm-hmm. and that – like I go, this is my favorite. And I was like, I don't exactly know what this bar has for – and you're like, I will make you a great Negroni. You want a Negroni? I'll make you a great Negroni. Uh-huh. And you did. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, all right. So we're already friends. And then I was like, so what are you, what's up? You mm-hmm. know, service industry, typically yeah. side gigs, things are uh, happening. And you're like, I have a couple of projects. I can't tell you about the project. Yes. And so now you can. I and can tell I'm, you about some of them. Tell me about some of them. I'd love yeah. to hear about some of your projects. Um. So uh, So project number one uh, is the, the bar opening behind the double crown uh pink moon little speakeasy guy um project number two is we're working with ada ryan uh 
who a local distillery that makes Fernet and um, Amaro Flora. They also make a Nocino, and they've got a couple of new things Ooh. that are coming. Yeah, there's some yeah. stuff coming in the pipeline. Um, like so a, a Rabarbaro. So talk. I don't I assume that I don't know what that is because I don't. Know. <laughs> Wait, Ru- Campari Ru- is Ru-Barbaro? a Rabarbaro. Oh, a Rabarbaro. Yeah. Yeah. I know it sounds like I made it up, but it's a word. Okay. We've been saying it wrong for years. We said it wrong for a while. Campari, Aperol, uh, Capoletti, you know. Um, this one is going to be more in the style. It, it's going to, rem- it's going to remind you more of uh, the sfumato. Like, so it's kind of a smoked rhubarb kind of situation. Got it. Um, Actually, we have sfumato. Do you want to taste it? Yes. Yeah, so we don't have the rhubarbo here, but, but we do we have do a... We do have sfumato, so you can kind of get your head around cool. what, it, what it's similar we're, to. I mean, we're Campari in... So yeah. the, if it's... That's what It's a, not like, not like a Campari. Campari. So sfumato, that means nothing to me other than... Sp- Go yeah. get it. Fumato is smoked. smoked. I mean, smoked. You yeah. Want to give them a little taste of it. Oh yeah. Okay. How fun. Okay. So. Um. So you're they're bringing doing, out new. Yes, we're helping. We're helping them. They're. I mean, like we don't. We're not distilling. We are working on a project with them to make um a. Uh, and I've been like trying to talk someone into doing this for years, and I had to move to North Carolina, um, to actually. I've, we 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 friends with a bunch of distillers up in Philly. Who are making really cool juice, but uh, we keep like being like, "Hey, guy, how do you feel about making a real peach brandy um, out of peaches, not peach flavoring?" Um, and wow. the guys at Ada Rhine are doing it. They're they're working with um, like a, a college in South Carolina that grows a bunch of different kinds of peaches, and um, there's a, they're working with another brewery. Uh, whose name I can't remember right now because I'm nervous, mm-hmm. and um, a wild fermentation a brewery that works through wild fermentation, then they're going to use their tanks for fermenting the peaches. Um, we're going to be, like, separating. We're, it's not Urban Orchard. You see, you always say that, but that's not <laughs> what it is. Um, um, but uh, And it's not actually in Asheville. It's a South Carolina. So, um, But uh, the, well, like, the peaches are going to be coming in soon, and we're going to be, like, in the distillery basically breaking peaches in half and pulling out the the almonds because uh one of the very important ingredients in peach brandy is the almond the kernel in the heart of the the, of the pit yeah yeah mm-hmm. huh. um and peach brandy is a really important ingredient in a lot of classic cocktails specifically philadelphia fish house punch which yeah. Well, not a lot, but uh, <laughs> specifically Philadelphia Fish House Punch. Um, and uh, Thank you. Well, there's a couple, and Patrick Gavin Duffy really liked the peach brandy. He really liked the peach brandy. Okay, so here's, mm-hmm. this is a Fumato. So it's a rhubarbro. It's a, it's like, it's a smoky rhubarb uh, liqueur. Now, would this be, is, I can't say the word, Fumato. Is that Spumato? Yeah, and I I say that I can stumble through Italian. Ha! Now is that a is that would be like saying a sweet vermouth or is that a brand? This is neither. This, this is, is a, um, this is a this is a style. Yeah, right. So like, style like a sweet so it's vermouth like an amaro. Amaro. Mm-hmm. So it would be in the same kind of it is its own category. Amaro is part a style. of you know it, it kind of style. grows out. I would say it grows no, out of like a bitter. It's like un, the, it's under the well he's because he he went towards a. So you you were going towards the edge of a cliff there. So it's um, so amaro just means it's anything bitter. that's bitter. got a bitter, bitter. profile, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. 
So it is an Amaro. So it's not. Yeah. So so this is not a competing. I mean, I don't mean competing in terms of actually competing, but this is not like a a different so it's category cl- from Amaro. I'm thinking from classification, Amaro. you have Amaro, and then it's a step down, and you would yes. have... There's different kinds of Amaro. Exactly. This would be two steps down. So this cool. is an Amaro, it's a Rebarbaro, and this is Fumato, which is a specific type Perfect. of Rebarbaro. Right. That helps me Got think it. about yeah. things. Right. They're also helps. working on a bitter, which is what Campari is. Aperol, Campari, uh-huh. yeah. those right. are all... right. Bitter Amaro, but it's mm-hmm. a bitter. Is that two That's, levels up, or is that its own thing? That would be one level up from this to this. That would be a Rebarbaro... But it would it's be still a, a Barbaro, but it's not. Rather than a, rather than a Sfumato. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. I, I feel like if, I want to draw For those like of you following along at home, tree. I think that we got there together because <laughs> I, now, I now know exactly how this is classified in Amaro World. Yeah. And it is. I, so we have like a special place in our heart for bitters. And I don't know why would you. So Sarah historically says smoky things aren't her favorite. Does no. this feel smoky in the way that uh, a scotch or a whiskey or uh, mezcal might be? Not like a whiskey to me, where sometimes I think sco- or scotch, I think I'm thinking of is more just like straight, just smokiness to me. Um, I wouldn't necessarily order this, but I do like it at the front end. And then because I knew it was going to be smoked, I'm like, okay, with You're drinking this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I wouldn't necessarily go for this. It's not my my typical Amaro preference. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I can definitely get like where you're coming from on that because like, like when you do like on the, on the, on the palate, this does have a lot of, um, it's almost kind of like an acrid kind of smoky kind of note in mm-hmm. the sense of like kind of the same way that like it's pep, it's very peppery. It's got this sort of like peppery smoke to it. Kind of the way that you would, uh, like what you would associate with, the pepperiness of uh, arugula, maybe like it's yeah. got this like we- yeah. like kind of like very or like uh, like a cress, like you've got that kind of very unctuous. Oh, yeah, escarole where it kind of builds up on your palate, and you have this kind of like really like uh, lingering mm-hmm. uh, uh, sort of sharpness, um, and uh, part of that has to do with the smoke. So I, I definitely understand where like it's not for everyone. Um, I love it. You know, <laughs> for, for what it's worth out. It's like when you're smoking awesome. a cigar what, too long. What, yeah, what brand is that? This is, uh, I don't remember. And it's, it, not it's called Sfumato. Sfumato. Yeah. Um, okay. It, I can't remember the distribution cool. company, but it's on the bottle. Christian's going to go look at it. Cool. Yeah, um, I, I mean, we... I don't think we can get it here. For an, oh, it's Capoletti. Yeah. yeah. Right, so it's a wine-based. Yeah. So it's a wine-based... Because uh, Capoletti, most Capoletti stuff is wine-based as opposed to like spirit based oh wow so this starts off which with, is why with which is why wine. we keep it in the refrigerator where you should keep all of your fortified wines helpful hint so mm. yeah we pump this just like you would I treat it like wine a bottle of white that. yeah how interesting now i we had this idea that we would ask you about two things specifically um alcohol focused and then uh i want to circle back to hear more about what what we're working on but um there seems like there's a lot of weird liquor laws in North Carolina. Oh, Do you have a couple that you would like to uh, highlight because they're seemingly ridiculous Christian or silly? Christian has a favorite. I do have a favorite bugbear, you know, <laughs> that I that I kind of harp on, when, like almost every time that I go to a bar here. Can um, I guess? 
Go ahead. Is it that you can't get two drinks? Yes. Yes. Sort of? Yes. Okay. Um, you can get two drinks. You can get a beer and, beer a, and shot. a shot. Yeah. But you can't put ice I in just your whistle. Learned I just learned that. I took an ice. So I ordered a Negroni, and then I got a beer and a shot, and I was like, cool. And I grabbed the ice out of my Negroni and put it into the shot, and he's like, I think we can all get in some real trouble about that. And it's true. I was like, what? I know. Well, <laughs> so he shook it around and then took it out. And then and then took it out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's the thing. It's like, um, I think that I just, like, I get I get weird about, like, when you get out of the cities, there's a little bit more, there seems to be a little bit more of an assumption that, like, you know, that there's a sort of some sort of greater, which is probably not actually true, um, but that there's some sort of greater sort of, like, uh, class homogeneity, right? Like, that if you belong to a certain social class that you, that, that, that you have tastes very similar to those of your compatriots in that social class, which I think is not true. But that, but to me, that it's a, it's kind of I find it hurtful that as like as someone who doesn't make a lot of money, that I shouldn't be allowed to have like ice in my whiskey. Like just because it's not fancy whiskey. Because there, because the assumption is this this is a blue collar workaround because you know you don't want like the the proles to revolt because they can't have their beer in a shot, right? Right. Like, this is a nod to labor, right? But to me, it's kind of offensive because it excludes people who like ice in their whiskey or ice in their whatever, yeah. along with their beer. I yeah. like ice in my whiskey. I think that everyone deserves to have ice, yeah. no matter how much they earn. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's just water. Yeah. Yeah. And it's healthier. It's healthier. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, yeah. yeah. I, so I classed up. I was like, I want to do a beer and shot, but I want to go a little different. I'll do your standard uh, Miller. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I would like an equal rare. Mm-hmm. And I just took the ice out. And I was like, I like it with just a little bit of ice. It doesn't need to be ice forever. A mm-hmm. big rock so it melts slowly or ice it and pull it out. But I like a little bit of ice that turns the water and it opens it up for me. Uh-huh. And I like cold whiskey. I like, I like cold whiskey. Cold. Especially yeah. in the summer That's when it. it's warm. <laughs> yeah. We can yeah, get higher. Because that's just going to heat you up yeah. if you just take it down room temp right. anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's hot. Yeah. It's full strength. You know, it's a, it's definitely a faster way to get drunk if that's where you're going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, like, that's his that's his bugbear. My bug – I've been ordering – I've been ordering liquor yeah. <laughs> here. And I used to order liquor in Philly, and I used to complain about how bad it was. Uh, uh, I, I no longer even – I think of uh, – of Philadelphia as the Garden of Eden for booze now, yeah, even though it's not. Oh, it's no. very difficult there. But PA. But here it's like and I and I work with the ABC store that I've that I that I worked with or and you know, will probably work with again is really flexible and, and worked hard and like if they knew that I was gonna put something on my menu, they would like order more than I was asking for initially. But sometimes you would order something and then you'd order it, and you'd order it, and you'd order it, and like. By that she means it would stay on your order. It would like, be on, on my order. order sheet. Um, and like they just I just want it. Well, it wasn't. No, it's it's because that. it's they send it to the. It's this main warehouse. It's this the central warehouse system is broken, um, and and so like it could be sitting in the warehouse, but because enough people here in Asheville maybe didn't order it, and they don't put it on the um, truck, it doesn't go on the truck or whatever, uh-huh. and. Uh, and so I've literally waited like uh, nine months for uh, cognac 
that I was ordering, and it's not a fancy cognac. It was a mixing cognac, but it was a specific cognac that mm-hmm. I wanted to carry that I think is better than most of the other mixing cognacs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I and 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 even longer for a case of uh, of decent cachaça. Um, uh, but the world of con- control state allocations. Is it was. It's just like and and it's like the way I started to feel like it was like I would like I would type up this I would write up this liquor order every week I would do an inventory every week, and like on Sundays and like make an order based on what our pars were and what was on the list right and. Um, then I would send it out into the ether, right? Just that's it what just it felt like, like emotionally. It would just like it would just like disappear. My email would go somewhere, hypothetically, and then uh, like a I would in a and bottle. then and then like two days later, I would go to the I would go to pick up my order, and the things that I asked for may or may not be there. Oh my goodness! Um, the real that, point of that, this is that because it's 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 completely controlled by North Carolina as a state operation like what is or is it private but it's you know they it's, own the it's contract not private. no it's entirely unprivate okay yeah basically you, you you what you're looking at is a uh socialized um liquor sales statewide system and it's just a train wreck and 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 it's, and it's not so much it's I hope just this doesn't make things harder on us well no it's not i'm not it. i'm not saying that it's, <laughs> i'm not even saying it's necessarily like, a bad idea gang up. no phoebe you can't have that <laughs> I'm not even necessarily saying that it's a bad idea. Yeah. What I'm saying is that um, since it is a since it is a, lo- a a statewide bureaucracy, it is going to be subject to some of the weaknesses of a statewide bureaucracy. Sure. I mean, there. Are, w- w- I mean, one of the cool things about. I mean, like I haven't seen this as much here. Like they're not like playing this this part of their hand maybe as strongly here as in PA. Um, it's not like it's unheard of here, but uh, in, B- in PA there was a lot more activity in terms of the what the, what they call the PLCB, the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board, mm-hmm. which is their a, their version of ABC. Um, that uh, system played more to the fact that they were a very large buyer, right? And so they were able to negotiate. It's a giant state. Giant state. Yeah, but so they, they, I mean, but there's weird stuff going on over there. I went to college in Pennsylvania. I have a lot of friends in Pennsylvania. They have oh, where do you go? So or sinus. Oh, the college. beer distributors. Oh, yeah. The beer distributor thing. There you go. Yeah. So, but like beer distributors, liquor stores, they were separate. Yeah. I had now friends you can from buy New beer York. in the in the grocery store. Oh, you can. They changed the laws, so now you can buy beer and wine in the in the grocery store. It has store. to be a separate section of the it's grocery store. It's a separate store. section so of the grocery store. You have to like basically store. build a beer grocery store inside the grocery store, right? Where you have like even like maybe even turnstiles or something that kind of separate the space. Interesting. But then and once you go there into that little, you, you can know, also now that, that buy directly from cupboard. distilleries. Which you can now, which you can do in North Carolina, also. Okay. Um, which is exciting. Um, you Speaking can also of which, we're going to be opening a bar in the Eighty Rhine Distillery. No. Oh, oh. There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a tasting room there already, but they all they could pour was Eighty Rhine. The law, the law just went through that you can put a yeah. bar into. So a we're going to be, do, be able to put uh, to execute a cocktail program. Yeah, that's so exciting. That just came through, right? That yeah, yeah. So that's a new thing. That's another. That's a project. That's another project. And then um, it's it's funny. It's like feast or famine. Um, and because when Nightbell closed, other than the three weeks that I spent sitting on the sofa feeling sorry for myself. Um, oh. Well, you know, it's just it's a process. So it's he- a process. here's my because um, it's assumed most of the audience is going to be Na- or Asheville based mm-hmm. and will have heard of and know Nightbell. Mm-hmm. We seem to have missed Nightbell. Oh, right, maybe by you've a close only window. Only been here for like three two, months. Two, two, two months. months or so. Right. Uh, so 
Um, Night Bell was located, you know, where Buttons Bagels is? For sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, so upstairs, Yep. that was Night Bell. Um, and it has the best reputation of any, like, one for us, it was one of those places on our list of places we needed to go to mm -hmm. while checking out the city, and we, we missed it. And then when we moved here, it was like, top of the list, we're going to go check out Night Bell, because nope. it sounds cool. Or not. Or not. Yeah. Um... Uh, it was uh, American Small Plates. It was opened originally uh, as a kind of a Euro cocktail dance bar, which it turned out Asheville didn't need um, or want. And uh, so when I m went in there, it was about the same time that the chef de cuisine uh, that I worked with uh, started. Or he started a little bit before me, um, but it's, it was making its way into being uh, the restaurant that it became. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a pretty special place to work. Uh, I've uh, come to the point where, like, I f figured out, like, the thing that I missed most about it was sort of the creative ferment, which is the best way to describe what that was, um, between um, the back of the house. The, we had such a uh, talented uh, chef de cuisine and pastry chef and um, the bar. We all uh, sort of worked together mm -hmm. which is which is a which is a dream really um and isn't frequently seen unfortunately uh, but it's the best way to run a bar in a restaurant um and if you want to know more about way, that you can uh, you can sign up for portland <laughs> yeah you can because i'm going to be teaching about that yeah <laughs> in this yeah. Uh, this november yeah, so another project is I'm the dean of uh, bartending. I'm co-dean of bartending and hospitality for Portland Cocktail Week, Portland, Oregon. Um, and I'm working with uh, Souther, League, Souther Teague um, of uh, I'm Just Here for the Drinks and Omari Amargo fame. Yes, that's and cool. the, cool. the Speakeasy yeah. podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Um, uh, uh, we're working together to write the, um, the curriculum for that and finding teachers and so brainstorming classes and we'll each be teaching classes and I'll also be teaching a class in the management, the bar management major uh, about, uh, you know, building relationships between front and back of house because it's the best way to capitalize on uh, all the, all the creatives in your building and also to like uh, cut down on your food waste, cut down on your, on your BEV costs you know, like it's just a smart way to run a restaurant. Wow. So, um, so yeah, that's another project. <laughs> my deadline on that is very soon. Yeah. Um, I just got the deadline in the email in email, my email yesterday. I was like, oh, uh -huh. cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> then there's this other bar that we can't talk about, and she was afraid that I was going to start talking about that when I started talking about the Ada Ryan thing, and that's why she said, you heard that's why like I had a, a little a market, <laughs> uh, you know, intake of breath, yeah. uh, uh, meaningful uh, sort of uh, cool. inhalation. Uh, but yeah, there's this other thing that we're going to be working on that's um, that's uh, pretty awesome. Probably that for we the can't winter, say probably come winter. Anything about late we'll, fall? We'll, winter. we'll potentially circle back around yeah. to yeah. do another conversation to coincide. By that point, um, the audience yeah. will be massive. Juggernaut. The word juggernaut <laughs> comes to mind. <laughs> exactly. Call our shot. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Speaking of calling shots. Yes. Um, uh, well, this is a hard pivot because it's not actually about shots. But if I saw you open the fridge to pour the sfumata, mm -hmm. and it looked like you have a pretty cool fridge with co like cocktail things, I see a whole bunch of bar things. If 
because we have a bottle of wine right now and a six pack of beer. Uh-huh. We are not at home yet in our apartment. Right. How would you advise a couple, let's say, to start to build out a bar, a home bar for casual entertaining, but also being able to make a cocktail that's worth drinking, not just whiskey shots? Well, I would say that uh, the first thing, most people, when they think about putting together a home bar, they start just thinking about what spirits their friends drink, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad instinct. But if you want to, I mean, I would say, generally speaking, if you have any, any interest in in producing cocktails, either for a living or for fun, um, you got to start with the classics. And in order to start making those classic drinks, um, one of the things you're going to find the most limiting is not the number of spirits you have, it's the number of modifiers. That is to say, secondary ingredients. We're talking about things like fortified wines and um, liqueurs. Mm. So there are a few, there's a small handful of mandatory liqueurs and fortified wines that you have to have on I hand in order to. Ooh, I am so excited to see if you agree on this. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying that, yeah. like, um, you have to have basically the sort of, like, you have to have the bare minimum of rando bottles that would have been in a 19th century bar. Cool. In terms of making classic cocktails, the bare minimum that you basically need is a sweet vermouth, a dry vermouth, possibly a blanc. I mean, I would say you should have a blanc, but that's me saying. That, I just you know like what I mean? blanc vermouth. Well, yeah, it's nice. really good. It doesn't appear as much in, in, in classic cocktails. It does appear in a few. But sweet and dry vermouths, um, a curacao liqueur, like a Cointreau or a Combier, um, a maraschino liqueur. We like to use the we Luxardo. Use but Lazzaroni makes one. But yeah, also. there are other maraschinos. There's other maraschinos. Um, then you you need um, a Benedictine. Uh, you need uh, green and yellow chartreuse. But that might be something that you graduate to because mm-hmm. that's the you're getting because you're, you're getting, getting real pricey. You're getting at that it, point. Yeah. Uh, you, speaking of pricey, you need an absinthe. Oh wow! To do like a wash. Yeah, to do washes. washes there are other dashes, there are other delicious sprinkles. drinks that call for more than a wash okay. of absinthe. Um, uh, that are you know that are definitely classics. Um, like I think you need to buy two books. Which books? That's maybe the actual starter. I would buy Imbibe by Dave Wondrich if you don't already own it. Right. Yeah. I would buy I would buy both of his books, uh, Imbibe and, and Punch. Punch, and I would also. Uh, Okay, now I'm up to four books. The <laughs> third book uh, is the Savoy Cocktail yes. okay. book um, by Harry Craddock. And uh, I would buy Jeff Morgenthaler's bar book. Not a, histor- not a historical tome, but full of useful information regarding, uh, you know, the sort of the nuts and bolts of keeping your bar well. Um, even in your home bar. He's got a really fun literary and He has a well. good writing style, yeah. Um, and uh, I think that uh, last year they actually like broke the book in half and Target is marketing it so you can buy just the information and just the, the, the recipes if oh, you fun. want to. Um, so yeah, that's a great book. Um, that's one of, I think those are, those are the four books that I tell uh, the people, like newbies, that we that we hire. Those are the. I usually give them a copy of Mbibe and then I tell them to buy the other three. Wow. Oh, port. 
you're gonna want to have a you're gonna want to have a decent either like a ruby or a tawny. Um, you're going to want to have um, a sherry, an oloroso sherry. Now, this might be so because I feel like we can continue. Mm-hmm. Once you start having things like this. Is it are in these books? Does it tell you this needs to be refrigerated? This no. The book. Well, I mean, I think that in Morgenthaler's book, he is going to tell you to refrigerate your vermouth and your and and to pump it, and to uh, the same with your sherry. Anything well, that's wine based. On the sherry. Well, depending on the sherry, you don't need to you don't need to refrigerate like uh, the oxidized varieties of sherry, like an Oloroso. Actually, don't need to be refrigerated. Um, but the 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 more delicate the the unoxidized varieties like Fino and Manzanilla should be treated like a white wine. Um, because and they are. Because they are. And pumped, like, to remove all the, ox- all the yeah. oxygen and uh, stored in a refrigerator. And they should also be served at refrigerated temps. Interesting. Um, yeah, Fino and Manzanilla are... cooking sherry the same it as is not the regular same. sherry? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I always wondered that. Yeah, no. Sherry's uh, a big subject. Yeah, sherry is a whole thing on sherry. <laughs> um, so, and I believe that because you did two hours on a morrow. <laughs> and I feel like we only and really we scratched... Yeah, we yeah. scratched the surface. Um, and so that's... I think that's, a, that's amazing. Um, and now, Sarah, I know that you had more questions about... Uh, it was, so we had the cocktail laws. We had how would you start a bar? What was the third one that we talked about on the car ride over here? I think there are more than three. There were but more than three. one that comes to mind that I'm curious to know, maybe you can, can't can answer this in a podcast, but like, what are the, the basic ratios for certain cocktails? For building cocktails? Or like the ratio you would swear by. We actually like teach a class. I taught it last year in Portland, um, and it, we've worked it into our trainings. It's called the only eight um and it's kind of the eight uh i treated it I, we treat it like mother sauces basically the eight the eight kind of uh mother cocktails that once you metabolize the the ratios or the the builds of um everything else is kind of gravy once you figure out that this drink that you just got served is just a fancy sour mm-hmm. right where they split one of the maybe they split off one of the modifiers into two different modifiers or whatever like like once you get to that point uh once you once you kind of see that you uh it's it, it's less it's less mystical mm-hmm. um and at that point the magic of the bar is actually the bartender and the people in yeah. it the, the the people behind the so people you mean to tell you. me like you could take a menu and say every single drink this is one of these eight yes classics yes, it's yes. Just but you, you could. There are people who make it even simpler. Some people say that there's just aromatic and there's just punch. There's just sour and there's just aromatic. But like, okay, yeah. I'm going too far. No, 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 oh. no, no. I'm agree- I'm agreeing with you that those that that that, that, that uh, level of reduction I think is overly reductionist. You're losing right. um, in the specificity that you need. Yeah. Um, um, this is this is th- this eight drink thing is based on what it takes to to like understand and produce the drinks. There are different ways of classifying them, but they're not all functionally based. Some of them, you know, like these, the, uh, the eight that we have are historically based, um, but they're with an eye to function. Now, there are different ways to answer the question that you just asked. In terms of proportions, generally speaking, you could say that the two main types of proportions are 2-1-1 and 3-2-1. And those generally apply across almost any cocktail. 
equals th three parts to two parts to one part. So yeah. like so like two three quarters half. But you'd be <laughs> right. but mm -hmm. but if you're looking at just the proportions of the named ingredients in a recipe, you're often missing out on very important information in terms of the way that the ingredients are treated, and the missing ingredient in every, you know recipe Which is not ice. that it's missing because it is included in the instructions but there's not usually um you know anything describing the amount of dilution that's going to result from it mm -hmm. or the right. nature of how you're diluting because so when i watch you guys uh at the at the amaro class there was a there's a moment where it's like oh did we put it in ice well no because I, I shook it in this certain type of ice and so it got enough water. right is that uh, the idea? so like the quality of the ice uh dictates the way you should shake or stir your drink um because um it doesn't everyone there's a lot of talk especially amongst bartenders regarding ice and block ice and mm. cold draft ice and hoshizaki ice and chip ice and hotel ice and like all of the many ways that we describe ice Someone but should um, write a book like, about ice <laughs> but <laughs> it's all just water um but Maybe but um nice, yeah. but uh the uh what the point is, once thing? you know what the water, once you know what the kind of ice you're working with is, you change the way that you're shaking or stirring to achieve the level of dilution that you need and the level of cold that you want for the cocktail that you're making. Yeah, you can make a good drink with any type of ice, even what is just generally referred to as crappy ice, which, us which usually just means ice that is wet. Yeah. Right? So, like, it's, you've or got... Or smaller, like, or hollow. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Basically, any faster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the point being that you can't necessarily make every drink with every, with any kind of ice. No, like an old fashioned really wants a big rock. You can't make a julep. Like, with, you, like you can make it with chip ice. Yeah, you can make it. Well, the point is like the, the point is that you can't serve. Okay, you can make almost any drink. But you shouldn't serve them. But but <laughs> you can't always serve a drink without the right kind yeah. of ice that's gonna behave appropriately in the glass, right? Yeah. Like that's going to introduce the appropriate amount of dilution at the appropriate um, rate. Um, and uh, that is one of the limiting factors of when you're looking at um, what sort of drinks you would be putting on a menu, like featuring on a menu at a particular place, whether that be like your living room for your friends or, um, you know, a particular restaurant or bar that you're, you know, designing a, a program for. Um, one of those things that's going to definitely like be one of the largest determinants of what sort of drinks you would feature would be the nature of the ice that you're going to be working with. So it's not that you can't do something cool mm -hmm. with, you know, not fancy ice, but fancy ice just gives you more options. That's right. Awesome. So like what we did um, at the Double Chrome, we were shaking and those drinks is that we, uh, well, first of all, we strained before we didn't add new ice on the on the one drink that was shaken and dumped um because it was it's meant to be dumped out on the ice that you shook it on the other usually what you're going to do is i would i would strain and add new ice unless it's something like a mojito you know thing like where you're meant to put your dirty ice back into the glass and that's what it's called is dirty and to ice. defend to um, defend um uh, uh double crown's honor they do have they have some, block. They have block some ice. balls that you can. You yeah, know, they, they, like they you have can, stuff. You can, that get you can get a nice pour of whiskey on a big, nice piece yeah, of ice. Yeah, like, like an old fashioned or a Negroni. Or like a Negroni. Can, they make yeah. a great Negroni there, by the way. Cool. Can't wait. Yeah. So it seems like bigger ice, like blocks or those, you know, spherical yeah. things, are kind of what most people maybe don't have, but could be a good thing to have to up your. Yeah, and you can buy the you can buy molds for those on Amazon. 
We've tested out a bunch of different ones. Yeah. Um, there's some like little individual like like sphere molds yeah. that work pretty well. Yeah. We made some. We made. We got some really stupid Death Star ones. They don't work too good, yeah. but they look like the Death Star. I, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like. I, I have not. Co- I'm not going to say that there isn't one that you can find that works well, but I have not been very satisfied with the spherical. I like um, the cube ones. Molds. We have some nice. We have some nice like two by two cube ones that. That I like to I like to use the ice out of those because you actually want to you um, you want the ice to freeze um, as gradually as possible, which I'm lazy about. Like I'm really bad about this with like um, when, when we're making ice at home. Like I, you're supposed to the the big different the bigger difference that you're going to notice in your drink um, is not as much going to be how long the ice lasts because often in a home situation, the ice is like, like the ice just through its sheer size is going to last longer than you need it to. It's the flavor. So like, it's more important to make sure that you use filtered water, but, but if you're using filtered water, it's kind of a pain in the butt to then take that filtered water and heat it. Right. It's easy to fill up a, 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 an ice tray from the hot tap. Yeah. But if you're taking your filtered water and like trying heating that. Are you meant to use hot water to make um, ice? To make the ice, for the ice to to, to freeze more slowly and and more clearly, start with hot, with very hot water. Okay, so here's the thing. Two things have to happen. (laughs) Well, three. Three things have to happen to have like pretty decent ice occurring. One of them is that you have to have as few impurities in it as possible. Filter. Right? Um, Second, um, you you need it to freeze from only one direction, and third, you need to f- uh, have it freeze as slowly as po- as you can manage. Got it. Yeah, and so this that's why I don't like the the silicon circle molds because they only have a little tiny hole that doesn't really make much of a difference to uh, which way the cold is yeah, coming so they from. They just freeze all the way around. Whereas okay. this, whereas the silicon uh, like cube uh, trays. There's going to be a differential in terms of the cold air, like sure. like how cold the air is going to be in comparison to because the silicone doesn't really like retain cold as much. It's like right. it's relatively inert in terms of uh, 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 temperature. So there's going to be a slight differential between the coldness that's entering from the top of the the cavity that the water is sitting in versus the sides and yeah. the and the bottom. So there is going to be a little bit of a gradation. So you are going to get mostly. You know, it's going to make a little bit of a difference. For sure. Whereas if you have it completely surrounded by silicone, there's hardly any um, directionality right. to how it freezes. Because what you have to have is you have to have, like, you have to have it be able to kind of uh, uh, freeze out any bubbles exactly. and any, like, impurities. And so they have to be at the very bottom. Like, they have to be the last thing. So, have, so like, so the, all the lattice work of the molecules, you know, has to just, like, basically be, to, uh, function unimpeded and, and add very slowly. And that's how you get that, like, very dense, crystal clear ice. And that's what's going to last the most in your right. glass. Right. And that's what I've noticed with we have one of those ball things is that there's fractures all through yeah. it. Because it doesn't have anywhere to go. The the directionality is messed up because it's kind of like all freezing at a relatively... It's all freezing from the outside. Like a silicone. From all directions. So it's going to get... I think it makes like six or eight ice cubes. Like two by twos. Um, And that's the best one that we have found thus far. Um, Unless you're just going to buy ice from someone who sells block ice. But that's a lot to do in your home. Yeah, it is a lot. Like breaking down ice in your house is a lot. That's like a commitment. Super fun. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but it's not for everyone. But like, also, like, and if you want to like surf punch or whatever, you, like, we bought some do. when we started <laughs> like, like having like making punch for parties and stuff. Uh, we bought some silicone mixing bowls, 
that we ended up um, that we make ice balls in or a half ball yeah so that floats cool yeah um so you can do it at home but and then in terms of like base spirits for your home bar i would imagine that you want uh, a decent vodka um i there's a polish potato vodka that i think is totally like reasonably priced and it's usually what i drop in the well it's called luxusova um i would buy a, a london dry gin um, I like Tanqueray, um, a bourbon that we could argue for hours about the bourbon, um, yeah, but a bourbon, a rye, um, a light rum. I usually, I would buy a bonded bourbon and a bonded rye. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to want a silver rum. You want to, you're going to want a, 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 a dark rum. Mm-hmm. Um, I would get like a Jamaican rum and maybe a. Uh, maybe a Puerto Rican style for making white rum cocktails. Um, well, I know what I would get. but I, I know what I would get, too. But, um, <laughs> but rum agricole. Yeah, we like rum agricole. So, uh, but not everybody likes rum agricole. And then for tequila, um, uh, you want to make sure that you're buying uh, 100% blue agave uh, with a nom printed, a nom number printed on the outside of the bottle. Um that uh, you can trace. You want to be able to trace did, your tequila. Did you post something recently about? It did. Uh, like it did about diffusers. Yeah, yeah. I uh, in Philadelphia, I got pretty heavily involved in the Tequila Interchange Project, um, where I learned. Uh, I, I went to Mexico a couple of times uh, with them to Guadalajara first, um, and then to Oaxaca, and learned a lot uh, about production methods and about uh, just the the spirit itself and the people who make it um and um it's uh the popularity of agave spirits has put uh the entire industry in peril mm-hmm. um because people are um the way that we do uh finding expedients um to produce greater quantities and um, the fundamental problem is that you've got a plant that takes that takes twelve to fifteen years to to, to, to come to maturity. Yeah. Um, so uh, so tequila should always be tequila should always be a luxury product. Huh. Um, it should not be if if your bottle is twenty dollars. If you're paying twenty dollars for a bottle of tequila, um, it's probably not tequila. There's something wrong. Well, dang. Yeah, because, that makes sense yeah, to me. Or they're being used, or it's being made in a way that's probably um, harmful uh, to the environment, mm-hmm. um, to the the sort of the, cultiv- the cultivation yeah. of the plants themselves, and to the people who uh, depend on on it in order to live. Yeah. So, uh, so buying tequila is a minefield. Um, uh, especially here, it's hard to find, uh, the, uh, the kind of like well-produced sort of uh, ethically produced tequilas. I'm not saying they're not here. They are here. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's something that you should think about when you, when you purchase it. Yeah. It also tastes better. For sure. Yeah. It tastes yeah. so much better when it's the real thing. Like it's beautiful. It's beautiful stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love Blancos myself. I'm a Blanco girl. Yeah. 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 Um, 
because you can taste the terroir. You can taste where it came from. You know, Highlands tequilas versus Lowlands tequilas. It's like scotch. You wow. know, you can taste taste the, the place where it came from. It's one of my favorite things about these episodes is the amount of stuff that you just have no idea about until you like ask some questions of people who are experts. Um, that is one of them that I will that I have starred mentally and in my notebook, uh, and that makes so much sense. Like when we think of, I guess it's while it doesn't sound as net net bad, the parallel I'm dry, drawing is olive oil, like cold press, thinking that. cold press, yeah. first press, like that's the good olive oil and that's expensive and it's hard to get volume out of a cold press, first press. There's a million things you can do to get oil out of yeah. an olive oil mm-hmm. or yeah. an olive. Um, and that's how you can get some really commercial cheap olive oil because it's not, it's not what its older first press brother um, claims to be. Yeah. And so that's very interesting because I think there is a tendency to go Tecate and te- Tequila uh, when I do my beer in a shot, um, mm-hmm. and now I know that that is not something. Just that ask what the tequila is. Yeah. Well, we're not saying don't drink tequila. Oh, but what we're saying that? is, yeah. we're saying just just be aware. It's it's it would be helpful to the producers. It would be helpful to the industry at large um, if people approached it um, w- armed with a little bit of knowledge, yeah. um, armed with a little bit of care in terms of how they select their product, because it's just as it, it can be that decision as a consumer that can be just as exploitative as like the people who are actively exploiting it. Um, I'm not saying that you're bad. You're a bad person. If you don't know what kind of tequila you're drinking, I'm just saying that if you do want to make a positive, uh, you know, sort of like as, as positive a, a an impact, you know, on your environment, like as in, in the world, other people at large um, as, as possible, then that might be something you'd want to consider doing a little bit of homework on just to, have a few brands in your back pocket that you are familiar with so that then when you see them out, you can, you know, you can feel comfortable ordering them. Love that. Love that. Awesome. Um, and so now we're at the time where we're going to go actual speed round. We don't, oh, it doesn't, speed round. it doesn't normally turn, round, it doesn't <laughs> normally turn to a speed round, okay. but we're going to try for okay. it. Um, last couple questions and uh, Sarah's going to lead us off. Well, we, we always ask the question, yep. if you have friends coming to town, where do you take them? And the exciting part is, is we actually have friends coming to town oh. like tomorrow morning. Um, and they're staying with us for a few days. And so we're very excited to show them around Asheville. But where would you take a few friends if you had a couple of days? Could be restaurants, could be activities, could be anything. Um. Well, that really depends on the friends, doesn't it? It doesn't. It? Yeah. So I mean, mm-hmm. let's talk about your specific friends. How about that? <laughs> yeah. What do uh, they What do they like to do? One, so one's a vegan. Uh, one likes beer and shots. Uh, they like outdoors activities, fitness. Um, he's a filmmaker. They love dive bars and they love nice dinners and tacos and tacos. Tacos. They're from California. Right there, you go. I would okay. go to Plant. Yes, that's on our list. Heard that. Go to Plant, and it's very Her. close to us. It yeah. is. Um, For an activity. Let's see. Uh, there's. Um, um, there's, um, uh, t- you could take them to, you could take them to Zillacoa. Oh, I love that. Oh yeah. We That's love Zillacoa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brewing. Um, um, and, uh, cause they've got a, a nice like outdoor space. So you could actually bring like a Frisbee or something with you and just do a little, yeah. like, yeah. put a little Frisbee. And it's down and by the river. Um, and if you want to go to a dive bar after that, I would go right down the street to Shakey's. Or you could. Wanting to cross that off. Okay. You want to, you want to check out Double Crown. You want to, or if, if, if you're in the center of town go and to you're Lazy hanging Diamond out, go to Lazy wanna. Diamond. Um, that's another great, uh, kind of like, you know, if you want to just like have a really chill place. Um, and, Punk rock uh, bar. 
and it's and it's got enough of a selection that you also like if somebody wants to get a little bit more highbrow like they can have a cocktail um mm-hmm. and like they'll be could be able to make you some classics and stuff like okay. um and they have and they usually have some fun little specials going on as well. Yeah, they do have pretty good specials. Um, um there is also We like Bull and Beggar. Mm. Yeah, Bull and Beggar is uh, great. But vegan not a good place for that. No. Not, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. eat I I'm I eat fish, but nothing else. Well, yeah. I eat I eat slimy things that live in and close to the water. So, do so you like the seafood tower? I love the seafood tower. Melissa Gray will back you on that. That's her number one pick. Five million times. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Pretty, well, I know where I'm going to meet her the next time. I yes, see her. I like um, I like the periwinkles. Yeah, the periwinkles are yeah. so good. They sometimes um, have. Periwinkles. Sometimes they have, I think they have cockles. Periwinkles. Yeah, they're little oh, tiny those are shellfish. Yeah, yeah, the ones little, where they bring you like a little snails. needle. Yeah, they cool. give you a needle little... to eat them with. You pull them out of the shell. I'm cool. so into that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we love. I love that seafood tower. Uh, I think it's crazy that. So I think we're hopefully going to do like a list, a roundup list of all the places that people have mentioned throughout the season, and I'm pretty sure Bull and Beggar might be not number one right now. It's I also want to take. I I would take them up onto the parkway. Oh yeah. I mean, like you would be if they like the outdoors, you would be remiss. Not to take them onto, oh, yeah. the, onto so is the it parkway. like craggy, or where where do you go? Like, what is there? What a, do you want to do? Do you want to go? I mean, there's so many options. How strenuous! So, you know? so we've never we've never gotten off. We never parked the car and driven anywhere off the Blue, Blue Ridge. I mean, what, or actually, what I would do to give them a, a deep dive would be to drive up to Cashers and go to uh, is it Dupont State Park where the where uh, the big oh, is falls that, are? Is, is that, that uh, no, no, Rainbow Falls? Rainbow Falls, yeah. I would go up to Rainbow Falls. That's it's a it's a it's a good hike, you know, at like a what is that like a sixty degree angle, basically, uh, all the way up. Uh, But you come out into this and you cross over from a state park, which was part of the reparations that Duke Power uh, had to make to the state. Um, You cross over from a state park into the national forest um, to get to the waterfall. Okay, so the other thing about Zillacoa is that they have a Taqueria Munoz truck, which yes. is um, apparently Those the tacos best are tacos so good. in the city. I think the face and the t- and the tongue, the beef yeah, the chicken, language. and stuff. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. I always get the. So you get uh, some with I, I always get the Huida La Coche. It's not on the menu. It's oh. like it's like yeah, the you can ask off for the menu. It, yeah. Like uh, they call it corn mushrooms. Corn mushrooms. Yeah. Um, now that we'll use that. Huida quesadilla. Yeah, that's a, that's a good that, yeah. So you can bring a frisbee and get awesome tacos and drink delicious beer. Right yeah. now, my favorite there is the. If it's still there. Sour fermented one. No. Oh. I, I see the thing. You is can't drink sours. I have an, I, I, like acid doesn't really agree. With, I love acid. I love acidity in drinks, but it doesn't agree with me. Huh. Same. Um, so you don't uh, do the tomatoes. I noticed that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I, I love, love the. the uh, I love okay. the. Um, they've got a great like Roush beer right now mm. in like this gigantic. Like, oh yeah, it might like as well be like a boot. A it's a giant stein. Mm. It's huge, like glass. It's like a twelve-inch tall stein. Um, it's uh, very quaffable. makes you want to order the beer just looking at it come out. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been drinking. I was drinking the citrus, uh, the citra IPA. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is me nice. too. It's yeah. like well balanced. Yeah, it's not overly bitter. Yeah. I'll do that, and I'll do the triple. But yeah, I like the triple that. too. That's if, the other one I had. If you wanted to drive a little bit, you should. They, if you want an eye-opening experience about like that, that's grounded in this area. One of the great things that I like about uh, Ada Ryan is they do a lot of foraging with their stuff, and it's very locally, like, um, you could, uh, You should take them to the based. distillery. I would love to do that. I think that would be... Okay. Now, here's, here, here's my recommendation. You can, you can go... T- okay, drive out to Joyce Kilmer. Okay. It's a long drive, but it's worth it. It's, uh, 
you have to, you'd have to wake up pretty early in the morning yeah, to, to execute this particular it's, plan. It's one of the only old growth forests remaining in uh, North Carolina. But if you're able to wake up early, which I'm not, um, but if you are able to wake up early, dry, get up early, take them out to Joyce Kilmer. It's a, this is a national forest that basically is the closest thing that you can get to Endor from wow. Return of the Jedi oh, on like the East ancient. Coast. Oh, and there's, there, that's a good yeah. call because so, they love... Yeah, Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Also, this is an old. And growth. you know Joyce Kilmer, poet, nineteenth-century poet. I think that I shall never just, see a poem so lovely as a tree. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, so it's named after him. So this is a, this is an old-growth forest, um, one of the few on the East Coast. This is one of the. It's an old, dusty ass. Like it's like Treebeard fucking lives there. Oh, like yes. so. Here's the thing. This area used to be a refugio during the last ice age. So you've got like th- like this area and points south was where like the hardwoods like you know that's where they stopped like during the ice age and then they started populating from from up like Georgia way and stuff. But this particular Joyce Kilmer National Forest in this area with like this elevation, sort of this like weird kind of like little rainforest where a lot of like the the, the greatest biodiversity in North America in terms of forests. Yeah. Some of the greatest biodiversity is here. Wow. That's one of the reasons why this is a place where... Um, you can forage enough botanicals to make a to make an Amaro out of. Yeah, because this replicates the sort of biodiversity of, yeah. like, the highlands of, you know, like, of the Alps. Yeah, yeah. which like, is where all the Amaro, exactly. the Italian Amaro mm-hmm. come from. A- and I know exactly. So that's sort of, like, one of the interesting things about this area. So that's why I recommend getting up early, driving out cool. to Joyce Kilmer National, National Forest while it's still there. Because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stress on that ecosystem um, in terms of uh, invasives yeah. um, and uh, blights that have been attacking a number of the trees. largest trees. Yeah. Yeah. So you really want to get there. Cool. Yeah, we definitely know. take them out there. It's worth the day. It's trip. a bucket list item. Yeah. In, as far in my opinion. Love it. So go out there, check it out. It's not. You don't have to actually spend a lot of time there. The drive is actually going to take longer than like the amount of time it's going to take you to walk More around and ch- check it out. But then you come back and you taste some of those um, amari that are based on like the plants that you've just been walking through. Wow! And then go go out to Zillacoa and play some frisbee and or and also eat some like tacos. a Zebulon up in mm-hmm. uh, in Weaverville. Yeah, it's it's only day. open That's two a full days day a week. Of activities. It's but we, we hear week, that Zeb- totally Zebulon is, is one of those spots you try and get into when it's open. You should. Yeah. Um, I love I love that list. That's yeah. a very special list. Thank yeah. you both. You're welcome. Um, now, yes. flip the script yeah. and say, if we had a magic wand, um, we or our audience, which is growing ever larger by the day, <laughs> uh, if we had a magic wand and could will something to happen for you, what would be the request just today, time stamped today, um, what would you hope for? Oh, I guess like we we each probably would have an answer for yeah, this. Yeah. You, you do have an answer. I kind of do, but it has nothing to do with the sort of stuff Perfect. we've been talking yeah, about. That's um, I I would if I could if I could wave a wand um, today. The thing that I would change in the world um, would be. Um, the definition of what an American is Ooh. in a lot of the, in like the minds of a lot of Americans. Ooh. That's what I've been thinking about lately. Cool. I thought you were going to say consciousness. I had a feeling. 
uh, well, because of how we started our conversation. Yeah, I mean, I'm so kind of cheating. I'm wrong. kind of cheating. I'm giving you kind of a fake answer because, yeah. like, the real answer would have, the real answer is the same all the time, yeah. right? Like the, the the one that fluctuates is like what you're what you're thinking about at the moment, and that's yeah. kind of what I answered. Yeah. But obviously, like everyone, almost anyone, if they could wave a magic wand, would like remove all like you know pain from the world and like make sure that like you know like children get to live like that all the children in the world get to live like full and productive yeah. lives yeah. and that you know we eliminate disease and you know what i mean like all that kind of stuff like the removing human suffering like that's like always the answer so it's kind of it's true but it's boring kind right. of thing because it, it's invariable uh so that's so that's my answer for today cool. i would i would i would if i could wave a wand i would change people's minds about what it means to be an american love that as an answer thank you sir Yes, no pressure. It could be you need to know someone in the ABC who can expedite your... Uh, oh, she already knows a couple. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, if I could wave a wand, what would I... And it doesn't need to be you know, world-saving. Oh, you know what I would that. like to... Uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I would like to go back in time uh, just uh, far enough to go to Amsterdam. Your, your, your head is... Oh, tight. I would yeah. like to go back in time just far enough, which is like a month and a half, uh, to be able to go to Amsterdam to see the uh, Rijksmuseum installation of the 300 Rembrandt paintings that uh. they owned uh, for the... F- and they put up on their walls for the first time, all of the Rembrandts. Mm. Uh, uh, and I, I know that's a weird, nerdy answer. I love that. But um, uh, I... Uh, that would that that would be that's a totally selfish thing to wish for, but totally what I would like to have been able to see. I was working a tiki conference when it closed, so yeah, um, <laughs> that's the answer you get from an art historian. I, I love that. <laughs> that's yeah. what happens. Those darn tiki conferences just yeah, eating up our calendars. Up my, like, <laughs> no, it was it was great. To, you know, Hukilau was great. Yeah, the um, was good, but uh, but I when I realized that it. I was like, we had come to the point where like he doesn't like to travel very much, and I l- there's lots of places I want to go. And when I I found out about the exhibition, um, I, I like destinations. I we just were uh, we that. were like uh, we were unemployed, uh, and um, and I was like, you know, because it's the big celebration of his, yeah. I guess whatever it's birthday it is, and and um, I studied, uh, I studied. Uh, <laughs> Flemish Baroque painting uh, and color theory for a long time. Which explains why she's a bartender. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fle- I know, yeah, Flemish. Very viscous, <laughs> yeah, those it's Baroque it's paintings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, but uh, they Very did great things. With, they did great stuff with paint. Like the way that they used paint was really um, was really remarkable. So, cool. yeah. That's a perfect answer also. Thank you. You're welcome. What wait wait what what, what, what about your you magic do? ones? Oh mm. wow, I've never had that. Yeah, no one's ever flipped that on us. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> right now, a magic wand scenario for us. Um, I, I so I'm gonna have a hard time. I'm gonna stay very micro and not go global. Micro is, um, I just I I love, and I'll always ask for connections. Like, I love connecting people. If there's someone that you guys think that I should know or talk to, I, I love that. I think that there's a certain level of serendipity that always kind of happens when you, when you say yes and you allow stuff to flow towards you and flow through you. 
and that's why we're here today in mm-hmm. my worldview is because like i'm i like to talk to people when i sit at a bar <laughs> and it turned into something cool and i'm excited about the future for us and so i guess my my short answer is uh connections More the before same. you answer I'm glad that you mentioned connections because one of the things that just happened recently is your previous ho- uh, guest, Melissa. Right, I met Melissa. Um, Phoebe and Melissa are going to be working together on a project, an yeah. upcoming project. Very yeah, exciting. Working on some cocktails for her. I, I can't wait. We, we were watching the build out of that whole space, the paint. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, my yeah. God. The paint looks crazy It's bubbly. called Rose of Bees. Rose of Bees. Yeah. yeah, so that's Rose of Bees. And we, mm-hmm. I mean... Episode 11. Oh, episode 11. You guys are episode 13. Um, and I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, I, I, I believe that the economy is connections mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, and thanks a lot for How making about you? that one. Of course. The first thing that came to my mind, well, I've, I was thinking big and like, you know, to be of service to other people. But really what I really want <laughs> right now <laughs> is to find... To, a really good Napolitano style pizza oh, in Asheville. You. You're not good luck. I'm like, someone, <laughs> please come down and open it. Like, you will be rich person. I will go there every right. day. Um, oh yeah, yeah there's definitely room found. in the market for that. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. brick oven. Mm-hmm. I want it to be, have cooked for 79 Elastic seconds. Heart, mm-hmm. you, you know, thick charred crusts, real yeah. mozzarella. Yeah, and fun. I was in New York last week, and I, I want I want a got house a red fix of it. But I want mm. a house red wine and Napolitano pizza, maybe three styles. Maybe, uh, you know, you can't customize it. This is how we do it. Like, that would be a dream. The other thing that I would really like, if you want to know the truth, is the perfect tomato sandwich. Because I haven't had one yet this summer. That's a very southern thing. No? Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe. I don't. Southern Italian. Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because. But, like, what kind of tomato sandwich? Like, just, mm-hmm. just to me, like, salt tomato well, or, like, thing a BLT kind of. No. Like, like no. more like a crazy. Uh, it's more like a. Mm-hmm. No, okay. it wouldn't. No, that's a perfect tomato sandwich. Well, mine has onion on it. Probably a little bit of, uh, like, sweet onion on it. Uh, like, bread. What tomato. Kind of bread? What uh, kind of bread? Oh, what kind of bread? Good question. Um,. <laughs> Uh, white wonder bread, no? No, I like <laughs> I like like the potato bread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All day. Um oh. and uh or sourdough, like country sourdough would be great. Um, yeah. basically whatever our friend Daniel brings. Mayonnaise, to the house. yeah, our friend Daniel makes the best bread. <laughs> um yeah, that bread, Daniel's bread, uh uh whatever you mayo, make that day. Is it, is it Duke's mayo? Because I hear that's a big deal down here. You guys, yeah, yeah Duke's is a thing. Duke's is okay. It's fine. You can uh, you you can pick it up at the Ingles or as I th- saw it, when I first saw it when we moved down there, I thought it was the Ingles. I didn't, <laughs> um, didn't realize what was going on there. Yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> mayo. I like actually Cupy mayo on my on my tomato sandwich. Yeah. So okay, <clears throat> Cupy mayo. What kind of tomatoes? Uh, those I think they're called green zebras. They're like bright green mm-hmm. in color with like yes. yellow stripes. They look like green tomatoes, but they have stripes. Yes, yeah. and they're like kind of sour. They are tasty. beautiful mm-hmm. to look at, and and they make a great sandwich. Um, so those green tomatoes. Also, it's fun to eat something we that grew color. Some last year, but they're just like it's um, tough to it's tough to keep them from getting blight because of the like the, the rain. heavy rain yeah. conditions. Um, and then uh, a little bit of sweet onion, salt, pepper, another piece of bread. Cut it in half, or don't, or if don't. you want to, like, just wear it, um, you know. Yeah. So, that's it. I love that. Nice. My grandpa eats tomatoes like they're apples, and it blows my mind. I just can't. I eat them by the handful. Like, like cherry tomatoes? Oh, no, I'm talking just like a... 
No, he's talking about like oh, don't like wear a white just shirt. Bite yeah. into a like, bite, bite into, into a tomato. Yeah. yeah, you know what that Onions is. Too. That's a product of considering it socially acceptable to like tuck your napkin into your sh- <laughs> like, into your um, like sure collar. Yeah. My grandmother used to eat onion sandwiches. Ooh, grandpa too. Like yeah. big, big thick slices of onion on bread with wow. salt and it, pepper. It makes my teeth hurt thinking about it. I don't know why. That's, That's how my dad got his first migraine. Was what you was eating a, a, a an onion sandwich because yeah, my grandmother was like eating one. And she, he goes, "That looks great," because uh-uh. he loves onions, and she made it for him. And like, down. Yeah. Now down he gets this fixed with Vidalia's for those yeah. uh, migraine sufferers yeah. out there. Vidalia onions tend to uh, not set off uh, the effects as much as yellows. Good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forget well, the rest of our. Do we have speed another speed round? round? <laughs> I think that's it. Oh yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Cool. Um, then the last thing is. Uh, are there ways, and I know that it's probably the answer might be no, but are there easy ways to connect with you, follow the story? Clearly, we'll be sharing progression of these projects as they come to light and as they are live in the world. Um, how would we connect our listening audience to you all? Uh, um, that's a you question. That's a me question. Yeah, because you have a hashtag, but you don't have an Instagram handle, that's Christian. And he's not going to. I, yeah. I like that. Um, Wait, what's the hashtag? Instagramless Christian. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's actually. I have Instagram, a friend. It's Instagramless Xgen, because that's my shorthand for him. Yeah, and um, so I was like, Sarah, I you have a friend that's got something like that going. Yeah, it's it's like Troy. Get an Instagram. Like that's his hashtag. Uh, He's yeah. in have Instagram. Um, but yeah, good okay. for you. Um, um, I so I have an Instagram so account. You can follow. Uh, we also have a little tiny vintage side business that has an Instagram ap- account called Repast Vintage. Um, there, uh, well, we're both on Facebook. That kind of name doesn't grow on trees. Um, I'm on Twitter. You can get me on Twitter. Beverage antiques. I'm more on Instagram than Twitter. And we have a website. You do? Yeah. It's not, there's not much there yet, but you can get, you can get us there. You can get to us through that. What is is that website? Um, it is, uh, spiritanimalbev.com. There's been a lot of really good uh, low-key wordplay throughout this entire episode. That makes me <laughs> SpiritAnimalBev.com. Yeah, and if you want us to do your wedding, we're called Party Animal. Yes. Yeah. That was the whole reason we did it. Stop. <laughs> All right. I, we need to kill this episode because that was the moment. That was the moment. I don't do want to drop your mic on the, the ground. The mic has been dropped. Uh, that was... Oh my goodness, we started with some good ones and we ended with a good one. Thank you for having us in your home. Oh, thanks thanks for, coming. for the time. Uh, and we look forward to coming to Pink Moon. Pink Moon. The in a few weeks. In, the, in a few weeks, but the super secret awesome spot yeah. that I look forward to Yeah. Uh, being a regular at. Yes, and uh, if any of our friends listen to this, let us know how it went because I can't listen to myself. <laughs> And that was episode 13 with Phoebe and Christian. If you like the episode, please go to iTunes and review it. All of the reviews are really helpful in getting distribution, right? So the more people that see this, the more people who get to hear these great stories and learn that there are many ways to make it in Asheville. We talked about a lot of different things in this episode, so if you're curious to learn more about those, you can visit the show notes page at makingitinashville.com slash 013. We list there pretty much all of the important links, books, uh, tools, etc. Uh, that were mentioned in the episode, 
so you can have easy access there. Also, uh, we ask that you please visit makingitinashville.com and join our mailing list. So A, you'll hear about podcasts. Sure, you would see that either by subscribing or following us on Instagram. What I think the email list is really going to be helpful for is all of the projects that we're working on. We have a bunch of giveaway ideas and events that we're working through with past guests and future guests. And so if you want to see those things and get a little bit of early access and more information about that, the best place to do that is by joining our mailing list. And we are coming to the end of season one. We have about two more episodes left, but we are always looking for new people to interview. So if you uh, would like to be interviewed or you know someone that you would like to be interviewed, you can visit the podcast page. It's makingitinashville.com slash podcast for more information about how to nominate someone. Wow. Lucky number 13, Sarah. We did it. That's a podcast. High five.